um, for your own spiritual protection. In our world, there's just like a growing aggression against the Bible, against Christianity. And when people are against Christianity, what they don't realize is that they're actually against our scripture, the thing that we look back to to form the basis for our faith. Because we don't know about Jesus. We don't know about what God wants us to do if we don't have the scripture. And so I want to talk about it first so that you guys have at least a little bit, little bit of information to help you defend your belief in the Bible, a few things about the Bible that when you hear somebody say something bogus about it, that they're trying to attack it or make it sound like it's this crazy book or whatever, you can go, I know that's not true. I don't need to let that shake my faith because I just know it's not true. Then the positive reason I want to talk about this tonight is so that you guys might tonight have a new light, uh, a new fire lit underneath you to go into your Bible, to look at what the Bible is and where it came from and why it should matter for your daily life. So that is what we're talking about tonight, and that's why we're talking about it tonight. So I'm going to go through three main points. Again, hardly scratching the surface of this topic. This is a topic which I have started to go down the rabbit hole in in the last few years of my life. Like, what is the Bible even? Why is this book that was written 2,000 plus years ago by a bunch of people across the globe, what does it have to do with my life? I live in Wyoming, and I'm, I'm just like a regular person. Like, why do I read this book? You ever, have you ever thought about that before? Like, why am I supposed to read it? So we're going to go through three points that will hopefully help us to have more confidence in it, know how to defend it, and hopefully light that fire underneath you to go look at what it is and what it tells you to do and everything in between. Okay, so the first point I have is that the Bible believe it or not, was written by people. It was written by people, okay? Uh, with each of these points, I'll give kind of a uh, misconception maybe that we have about it. So it was written by people. Believe it or not, the Bible did not just drop out of the sky directly from God, authored by God's hand in a, a Sharpie pen or something like that on some stone tablets. That's not how we got the Bible. The Bible was written by flesh and blood people just like you and I. And so that means a couple things. First thing that means is the Bible was written in a specific time and in a specific place. That means the history, <clears throat> the Bible was written in the history that you learn in history class at school. The Bible was being written during those times, okay? Some people might think that if the Bible was just dropped out of the sky from God, that would make it more credible. I think it's better that it was written by people. It was written by orphans, it was written by kings, shepherds, tax collectors, people who were just normal, everyday, blue-collar workers, outcasts and prisoners. It was just written by normal people. To me, it's so much easier to read the books within this Bible knowing it's a person who has authored this, who has wrote this down, so that I can know, at least they know somewhat of what I'm going through. They're not just, it's not just God writing it, hoping I figure it out. It's a person writing it to us. People in the Bible wrote <clears throat> in different situations as well. And it 
in it uh, steered how they wrote the Bible as well. So think about this. In the Psalms, there's Psalms when David is running from Saul, who is trying to murder him. In that situation, uh, usually my first instinct, or not usually, I've never been chased by murder, but if I were to, uh, probably the first instinct wouldn't be, I'm going to write a book about how you don't get murdered. That's not what David did. David, he did the natural thing for him, which was he wrote and he sang a psalm. Okay? He, he basically like wrote a poem about what he was feeling in those times. And so that time and place drew him to write something for that situation, for him. And there's also times in the Bible where there's just stories, just stories being written. What is happening is being written down by people who are there so that they can recall it at a later time. P- stories like all of the times Jesus raised people from the dead. Those are stories people witnessed and wrote. This wasn't just God saying, look, I can do this. I have no proof, but I, can, I promise you I can do these things. That's not how it was. And so the Bible was written by people And that means it was written in a specific time and in a specific place. And to me, that's better than if it were dropped out of the sky. Here's the second point with this. It's written in a specific style and for a specific purpose. Something we need to realize about the Bible is, especially the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, was the popular media of the day. Okay, imagine all of the TV shows that we know, um, all of the books that everyone knows about, movies that we all know about, all those things fill our brains. What filled the brains of the people in Jesus' time was the scripture. Most of the people would have had at least the first five books of the Bible memorized word for word. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being able to do that? And, mo- and then a good majority could even uh, recite the entire thing. That was all that was going into their brain day after day after day. And so filling their mind were these letters, stories, history, poetry, all these different ways that people wrote so that they could be reached by God. In the video, it talks about how the purpose behind the Bible being written was so that people— could see how God was working in their lives and had worked in the lives of their ancestors and inviting them into that life for them as well. That's the purpose behind it. So here's something we need to see. The Bible was written by these people in a specific time in a specific place, and so something that we cannot do is come open our Bible up and think it's going to read just like uh, an instruction manual, right? Wouldn't that be nice? Sometimes I think about the Bible, if it was just like do this, don't do that, full of that, I feel like it'd be better, but honestly, it kind of wouldn't work out for us because we wouldn't even be able to do that, right? But sometimes I think it should just be, I should just be getting rule. I just want to be told what to do and what not to do. That's not what it is. We don't get to tell the Bible what it should be. We don't get to tell the Bible what it is. It explains to us what it is. These writers from all through time get to tell us what they said, And they wrote it for a purpose, and they wrote it in a specific time, in a specific place. And we have to go into it and accept that from it. Second point I want to make that hopefully you had some thought about it when I said the first point. The second point is it's inspired by God. 
So it was written by people, yes, but it was inspired by God. That means God had some sort of hand in doing that. But here's the misconception then. Some people think that the people who wrote the Bible were just like uh, put into a trance and just like writing like crazy, like God took over their body or something like that. That's not what it was like. God used those people in those situations, in those times and places, wherever they were at. If they were a king, if they were a shepherd, David was both of those. He wrote differently in different times of his life, right? He uses us to write. He used people to write it, and he inspired the word. And here's how we know that God inspired it. The, the story that the Bible tells is unified. It's one story. There's one story that goes throughout the whole of Scripture. And so um, these people who are writing in specific times and places are inviting us to see just a little blip of that big story. Do you guys know what a mosaic is? what a mosaic art piece of artwork looks like. It's made up of tiny little pieces of some sort of material. Sometimes there's even like ones that are made out of a bunch of pictures of different things. And then when you zoom out, you can see a bigger picture, right? You know what a mosaic is? When we read the Bible, too often I think we are looking way zoomed in at the story we're reading trying to figure out what does this one specific word mean when what the purpose of the Bible is is for us to, yes, do that when necessary, but to zoom out and see the grand story that is being told all throughout it. We cause ourselves so much confusion and frustration, and we often give up on the Bible because we're so zoomed in at our one story. And believe me, like I get to that point too. I'm reading through, I'm reading in Genesis right now because I'm doing a Bible in, the, in a year thing. So I've been in Genesis and like every other chapter in Genesis, I'm like, I, I'm lost. Like, you, like, I don't know what's going on here. Why, why is this person doing that? Like I get lost, okay? Zoom out. If you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling like you're like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Why should I have to read about all these different laws that the Jewish people, I'm not even a Jewish person, but I'm reading about it. Zoom out. Try to look at the bigger picture. It's a unified story all the way through. These writers knew what they were doing, even though they didn't. Does that make sense? God inspired them. He had them write the right things so that all these different books. Does anybody know how many books are in the Bible? 66 books. Over 40 authors, all writing all throughout time, different parts of the world, and yet there's this unifying story all throughout. It's a miracle, really, when you think about it. It's a unified story, and it's a unique story is the second part. The writers themselves, I'm pretty convinced, most of the time couldn't even see what parts in the big picture that they were playing. They're writing stuff down, but they're like, they don't know what the Bible is. They're not like all communicating with each other. Okay, we're going to compile this great work about everything God's doing. No, like God had that plan. These people were just writing about what was happening in their lives, but the story carries through even still. Think about how unique the impact of the Bible has been in all different areas of life, in, in art, in, in the morals of society. So many societies, the ones that last at least, are based upon the morals the Bible gave to us. Government, science, everything that you can think of has some way been shaped by this book. No other book has done that. Moby Dick hasn't shaped the way that we do morals, right? 
you just don't kill the big whale or whatever. Didn't read it, okay? Um, I'll be honest. We don't, we don't do that with any other book. The Bible's the only one that does this. So here's the other thing that sets it apart and makes it unique in my eyes as well. The Bible doesn't set out for you this task of reaching a certain level of enlightenment or becoming your own God like some religions. You are detaching so far from reality that you find this greater peace that could have never been known if you hadn't done it. All of those things, you notice all those things are like, you've got to do something to earn the good that you can get out of life. That's what every other religion says. That's not what the Bible puts forth. The Bible offers forth to you a relationship. It says, come and I will give you rest. It says, know me and let me know you. It's about receiving this relationship, receiving a gift and then growing in the relationship with God. That makes the Bible so unique, you guys. It's not about striving anymore. It's never about striving. Jesus did the work. We get to receive the gift from it. So the Bible was written by people, but it was inspired by God. The third thing I want to talk about is that it was preserved for God's people. It was preserved for God's people. So the misconception might be, you might have heard something like this. Um, By the way, don't ever, like, don't watch, like, if the History Channel's got, like, how the Bible was made. Don't watch those. They are kind of crazy, and they don't get it right, okay? here's, Here's a misconception. That somewhere along the line throughout history, there was some secret group who like met in a a church basement or something and decided we're going to write all these books together. We're going to put this book together so that we can control society, that we can make ourselves into the people in power and everybody keep everybody else below us. There wasn't some weird conspiracy about the Bible coming together. That's not how it came together in the, in the, video we watch, you saw part of that. I'll explain some more about it. The books that are in your Bible, the books that are in this Bible right here, in the book that we read week after week, did not get chosen by some secret society of church people, okay? The books that are in your Bible stood the test of time in the church, The books were written and read and compared with one another and contrasted with one another. And the ones that everybody who was in their right mind saw was every book that those people saw as worthy of being collected and passed around and given to people and talked about. Those are the ones that remain today in your Bible. There's not some lost books of the Bible that have some secrets that are held out by some certain people. That's not how it is. The books that are in your Bible were meant to be there. They have stood the test of time for two to 3,000 years now. They are the ones that I believe God wanted us to have. Talking about the New Testament specifically, there are 27 books, and uh, those books, they had some like real hard criteria for, okay? They needed to be connected to the apostles, the 12 guys who were actually friends with Jesus, walked with him, apprenticed to him every day for three years. It needed to be connected to one of them, and they were, had to be consistent with the rest of the books and the rest of the Old Testament. So they're comparing them, contrasting them, making sure that the things are all lining up, that there's not contradictions in them. And they also wanted to make sure that they were consistent for what the people of God needed. So much of your New Testament is 
stuff that churches needed to know about how do we live this Christian life. It's not so easy all the time. So they passed it along. People throughout the centuries took it upon themselves to make sure that these books remained and despite the attempts by rulers and random people throughout time, the book remains here today. And you guys, you, I can't illustrate it any, any good way, but the way that the, we know the Bible is trustworthy is we have just copies of all the people who wrote it down, thousands of them, okay? And we trust in books from a long time ago that just have a handful of little copies, bits and pieces of other books. But the Bible is probably the most well, uh, we have the biggest well to pull from of all these different people who wrote it, copied it, made sure it was preserved throughout time. The people would copy it letter by letter. They wouldn't even copy it word for word. And so we can trust in what we have. I want to read why I think <clears throat> that these books have remained until today. It's a verse in Hebrews chapter 4. It says this, the writer says, For the word of God is alive and active. The word of God is alive and active. This book was meant to be in your hands. It was meant to be in our hands, and somehow, some way, God has made it, I believe, so that we could have this 66 books bound together in some cheap leather and paper uh, in our hands so that we could know something, so that we could have some hope in our lives. So what do we do with all this? What do we do with all this knowledge? And again, I hope that you will take it upon yourself to go down the rabbit hole of what is the Bible yourself because there's so much in it, you guys. You can, you can waste, not waste, but you could waste your whole life looking at all the history of the Bible, how it was written, who wrote it, when they wrote it, why did they write it the way they did. It's incredible, and it's vast, and you can get lost in it, and I hope you do. And yet I have asked all of these questions. I got a list of questions that I've asked about the Bible. I'm going to read them to you, okay? So if you've asked these questions, stick with me, okay? Why am I reading this 2,000-year-old book a bunch of random guys across the globe wrote? Why didn't God just give us an instruction manual or at least make it a little more clear? Why can't I understand this book the first time I read it or the second time or the third time? And why does it take so much work and so much special knowledge to get what it's trying to tell me? Those are questions I've asked. I'm a pastor, okay? So, so here's the great discovery that I feel like I started to unearth when I started to go down the rabbit hole of what even is the Bible? Should it, what, like, do I believe it? Where did it come from? I went through that time. But what I realized was broken was not the Bible, but it was actually my heart towards it. Okay, I didn't like a lot of the Bible. Yes, because it's confusing and hard to understand sometimes, but also because I have a broken heart that wants to not do the things it calls me to do. And so that's the question I ask you guys. Is it the, a problem with the Bible that keeps you from reading it day after day or even week to week? Do you read it once a week? Is it a problem with the Bible or is it a problem with your heart? And it could be, could be a little of both. It's hard to read it, you guys. I get it. 
okay? We, as your leaders, Dan and myself, Pastor Dan over there, we want to help you to be able to read it, though. Here's, here's what I think it takes. It's really simple. If we are to make the Bible into something we believe in and trust in and let shape our lives, it's going to have to be through a step of faith, okay? Do you guys know why you had uh, school off on Monday? Martin Luther King Day, one, one, one quote from Martin Luther King that I really like. He says, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. So imagine a step down into a rabbit hole tonight. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. If you are going, I know you might not believe in the Bible that much right now. Take a step of faith, just like you're going to have to do with the rest of your life of, is this church thing, is this Christian thing for me or not? Take a step of faith. Take a step down and try to learn more about it because I guarantee you when you begin to learn about it, you're going to find some answers. And to me, all the answers that I've found in my journey down this rabbit hole have only confirmed and made my faith stronger. And that's what I want for each and every one of you, young people, leaders in the room, all of you guys. I want your faith to be stronger the more you trust. So go down, take a step of faith, let this be a rabbit hole you go down. You won't regret it because it will build your faith more than anything, okay? Take a step of faith. Let's pray, and we're going to just have a few minutes for small group discussion. <clears throat> pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is alive and active. We thank you for its persistence throughout time, Lord. Lord, I pray that these young people in this room would realize what a gift that you've given us in the scripture, the wisdom held within it, the things that we need to know to live the good life. Lord, the words of Jesus himself, let us let those words impact us, make a difference in our life. Turn us into people who are different because we have faith in the God who wrote the book. Lord, I pray that you give us a confidence, give us a renewed ability, these people in this room, a renewed ability and a new ability to understand the word. Lord, let it come off the pages. Let it be easy to read the next time we go and open its pages so that we can know that you want to speak to us, you want to teach us, you want to guide us through this life, through your scripture. Lord, I pray that we would grow love for it, Pray that we would be a people who could not only love it ourselves, but to, to be people who could defend it as well. Stick up for it. Stick up for the things it says, Lord. You are powerful. You are good to us, and we thank you for all you've given us, Lord. I pray for each heart in the room. Pray that no, no matter where they're at with the Bible, no matter where they're at with faith, Lord, that you would just speak to them, help them to see your goodness, help them to see your truth, help them to see how faithful you are, in some way 